Welcome to Cave Woman Debugging, Episode 2. I'm your host, Laura Dickey, and this is a podcast about practical solutions to iOS programming problems. I had mentioned in Episode 1 that I used uh, Cocoa Lumberjack via Cocoa Pods, and so, oh, so I thought Cocoa Pods would be a good topic for my second podcast to talk a little bit about why I use Cocoa Pods, what it is, if you haven't heard about it or used it yet, and what I think some of the pros and cons of using it are. So, Cocoa Pods, it's a it's a system and a website, basically, I think you really end up using both of them together, that allows you to find third-party code, usually released under a, some sort of a license that allows you to use it in your own product, whether it's shareware or commercial. And it basically makes it easy for you to find these modules and incorporate them into your Xcode projects. It started in 2011, and I have to say I've been doing iOS and Mac development before then, and really it, in the early days it was hard to find um, sample code and sort of get an idea of how are other people solving these problems. I must have looked at Apple's metronome sample code example a gazillion times always be like, well, what did Metronome do? So it it's really nice now, these days, there's such a rich environment of third-party code out there that you can use and you can incorporate it into your own projects. And CocoaPods makes that process much, much simpler. Um, if you've ever come from the Linux world, you know that you know managing dependency managers and dependencies between software can be a real nightmare. And that can still happen to some extent. CocoaPods can't solve all of that, but it can make it a lot easier for you to keep a consistent version of that code as part of your project and not have it sort of sitting around in all different subdirectories on your own machine. It can help you organize your your use of the code a little bit better. Um, I only started using it somewhat recently. I had had some trepidation about it. I'm like, well, I don't want to use a ton of third-party code. I really, you know, probably want to write most of the, most of the stuff myself. But once I started looking into it and got over my sort of initial hesitation, then I realized that some of the third-party code that I was just using right now anyway um, in my projects via just going to GitHub and bringing it in myself, it was hard to manage that. I didn't know when, when did it change? You know, did I have the latest version? Keeping all that up to date was difficult. So on my newest iOS app that I was started to write, I began it using CocoaPods. So I think it's really, that's the best way. If you're going to use it, start a new project with it because it wants to create its own workspace file. So if you're familiar with how Xcode projects work, generally when you create a new project, it creates a a project file and it puts it in a directory and that project file is actually really a directory that contains a couple of other files and it's that that Xcode project file that you open um, when you're building your app. If you add a pod file to that sort of the root directory of your project and do a pod install then it's going to create um, your project name dot XC workspace so it's basically a workspace and it workspaces just allow you to combine multiple projects into one Xcode file. So when you open up that workspace, you'll see your project file, the contents of your project, and then a pods section, which has all of the pods that you want to add. And that section is pretty much managed by CocoaPods for you. It's You set up a pod file, which is just a plain text file that has entries in it for each module that you're interested in using. And you do a pod update or a pod install to get the most recent 
by default, the most recent versions of those pods, if you don't specify a version number. There's a whole language, I think, to specify version numbers to just say, I want a version that's compatible with this version of iOS or with, I only want to stick with 2.0 or I don't want to, you know, rev to the newest version. So you can, you have some control over um, what version of the CocoaPods you're getting. And it also handles a case of one pod depends on other pods, it'll bring those in for you. You don't have to do that yourself. So um, I started using using that, and I have to say I've really enjoyed it for the most part. I, I uh, find that it makes it easier for me to manage the pods and to get a little bit braver in trying out some new code. It's so much easier just to add one line to a file and boom, you have access to that code in your project now. You can try it out, see if you like it, versus you know downloading it yourself and compiling it and integrating it and copying the files over and then forgetting they were there and it gets to be a mess. So it's a much cleaner solution, especially if you are if you want to experiment with what's out there. And I said, you know, CocoaPods is this system and it's a website. And the, I think the website is just as valuable because even if you're not planning on integrating the code into your own projects, sometimes just looking at how people solve various problems can be helpful. And so the CocoaPods website is has an amazing search facility. Just sort of type the name of something you're looking for. It'll show you a whole selection of projects that might meet that, that keyword, whatever you typed in. And they've recently updated the site so it's even easier to browse the sort of documentation or the high-level overview of the CocoaPods. So you can see a little bit more detail about it. It used to be that you clicked on it, it would bring you over to the the page for that pod, which is usually someplace on GitHub, but it could, didn't, doesn't have to be. But now you can sort of browse that right in line. It makes it a lot faster sort of just to churn through and figure out which ones you want to look for. Um, I've heard some people on podcasts talk about changes that they want to make to CocoaPods, and I know one that I would love to see is some sort of a rating system or some way of knowing the popularity. So if, say, you're looking for a new alert view controller, a new alert view dialog, and there's like 10 or 12 of them out there. Which one do most people tend to use? Which one do most people read? I think that would be a really helpful thing to have someday. But um, you can sort of approximate that by going and looking at the GitHub page for it and seeing how many stars that project has. And if it's, you know, in the thousands, then eh, chances are pretty good. It's probably something that a lot of other people have found helpful. So um, that's in a very brief, brief description is CocoaPods. The documentation on the website is really, really good. And I, I at first was like, ooh, I have to run some Ruby gem thing to install this. And I was like, oh, I don't think I want to do that. But just follow the directions. It might install a little bit slowly at first, but then um, I think they've even improved that. The speed of which the initial install happens is a lot faster. Um, there's been debate back and forth over I guess years now, of whether or not you check in your CocoaPods um, into your source control management system. And I hadn't been for quite some time and was haunted by all these little question marks showing up in my Xcode file browser whenever I went to go check to see if I had checked in all my own stuff. And I recently listened to an episode of iFreaks um, that had Michelle Totolo speaking on it, and she does a lot of work with CocoaPods and had some really good reasons for why she recommends checking them in. And after listening to that, I decided, hey, you know what? I think that that would work for me, uh, basically, since I'm not pushing to a remote repository. I've got my GitHub is local. Um, it's just me. I don't have to like worry about 
keeping other people up to date with my own versions of pods and things like that. I liked the, the you know, having it all checked in in this way in case I ever do do a pod update or, you know, check for new versions. I'll be able to see diffs right on my own local system between what was checked in before and what's now. I mean, you can still track that stuff down um, by doing some browsing on GitHub, but I think it makes it a little bit simpler. So I'm giving that a try. I just actually did that about last week, so jury's still out of whether or not that's helpful. One thing I can say is if you're getting close to releasing a product, and I'm at that state right now, definitely don't update your pods. That's not a good time to do it. You don't want to suddenly see that some third-party code that you depend on has completely changed their API. Um, either put version numbers in your pod file or just leave alone. <laughs> and when you're working on your next version, that's a good time to go and find out, hmm, have people, um, have people, you know, change the things, made updates, bug fixes, things like that. Um, let's see, what else do I want to say? It, uh, CocoaPods also supports some of the new features it has now are frameworks and Swift. I haven't used either of those features. Um, not yet, at least. I think if my next project is in Swift, I will almost certainly use, uh, CocoaPods just because it's handy to, I've gotten used to some third-party libraries. Um, I'll put my pod file for my current project in the show notes, but basically it's really short, so I'll list it for you. It's Coco Lumberjack. Crashlytics framework, um, a WY popover controller, which is a nice little platform-independent popover window, uh, the Reveal iOS SDK. It works with the Reveal app that lets you do great uh, GUI view debugging. Masonry, which is an awesome auto layout library that I will definitely be talking about in the future, and uh, ZipZap, which is a zip file compressor and decompressor because I've got some need for that in my own code. So. That's short and sweet. Um, if you want to see an, a much, much, much larger pod file, just to get an example of what can can be done with this tool, the Artsy project um, has really has made a real goal um, to make their codes open source. Um, a recent episode of Objective-C.io uh, had an article from people at Artsy talking about this. And if you go and look over at their project on GitHub, you can actually look at their pod file, and it's like 50, 60 lines. It's crazy. It's so much stuff. But um, so there's definitely you can use it a little bit or you can use it use it a lot. I think it definitely depends on the size of your app and how many features and what you what you need in terms of third party code. But um, it's clearly scales up pretty big. <laughs> um, one feature that I do use a lot and and CocoaPods that was new in their their latest big release is the ability to include different pods depending on your build configuration. So for example, um, the Reveal SDK, I only want that in for my debug builds. I do not want to include um, Reveal when I'm compiling either a release build or for the App Store, for example. So it's really nice that you can bring in some things that you might only use for debugging and have it automatically only bring those in for certain for certain build configurations. You have to be a little bit careful with that, especially if you're using your own um, build configuration files, which I was for another reason. But um, it's not. It's yeah. I think if you're not doing that, it's it's pretty simple to just get get the kind of configuration that you need in terms of what libraries get included. Um, and to wrap up, I think uh, one other source for finding out great third-party code it has been maniacdev.com. Um, it's, or is it .net? 
don't remember, but um, it'll be in the show. I'll have a link in the show notes. ManiacDev.com. This is something I signed up for almost three years ago now. Basically, it someone curates sort of newest, latest um, third-party iOS code and posts a little blurb about it and then a link to it. And I really like the the sort of brevity every day. I get maybe two, maybe three. It's it's short and sweet. It just kind of, even if I don't go and look at them, it kind of has in my mind, oh, someone wrote, released something to do that, and maybe I'll need that someday. I really like the positive attitude, the way the person who curates it really is like, oh, this is such a nice app, and I mentioned this before, and I think you'll really like this. And I just really find it to be a great way to just sort of, oh, today, what's new, without being totally overwhelmed by it. Um, I'll have a link to that in the show notes, too. And to wrap up today, my pop culture links, the things I do when I'm not coding. Um, I don't have a new book. I'm still reading Terry Pratchett. I haven't had a lot of time to read. But um, a series that I've read just before this, um, I read the second book, but the whole series started with The Bone Season by Samantha Shannon, followed up by The Mime Order. And this is a little bit of a different book for me. I don't normally read like paranormal psychic kind of stuff, but this is an amazing like atmospheric series set in an alternate London where there's sort of this um, clairvoyant underground. And it's just, if you like sort of cool world building, really consistent universe, cool language things, it's, I've really enjoyed both books. Um, so I recommend that. For music, I am listening to OK Go right now. I got to see them in concert last week and they were awesome. And I had known about them through their videos on YouTube, but I'm really enjoying listening to even more of their music, even ones that don't have videos. So um, highly recommend that. A lot of fun. A lot of fun to listen to. Really cool band to watch in person. And I have had even less time for gaming, so my uh, game link to it this week is actually going to be GarageBand. <laughs> it's not a game, but I've been having so much fun just putting together these short little like 30-second electronic beat video uh, uh, songs because I need them to for some of my promo videos for my new app. And I've been using the Mac version and the iPhone version and discovered this week that the iPhone version does in fact have loops so you can create cool little electronic loop-based things, not just instruments. I thought there were just instruments there and had been having fun with them, but you can actually drag the loops in there too. So um, if you have a few minutes to kill and you just wanna be creative and create a cool uh, garage band, composition, I recommend that. My kids have been impressed by my music <laughs> creations. They're like, hey, we want to play with GarageBand too. So they've been having fun, checking out some of the loops, laying down some tracks. So highly recommend it. I, if you have any feedback, comments, questions, I'd love to hear from you. If you have any topics that you'd like me to cover in the future, I can be reached at cavewoman at littlepotatosoftware.com. Until next time, I'm Laura Dickey for Cavewoman Debugging. Thanks. Bye.